0: And thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Canada Goose first quarter fiscal 2022 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to Patrick Fort. Thank you. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you and good morning everyone. With me are Danny Reese, President and CEO, and Jonathan Sinclair, EBP and CFO. After prepared remarks from Danny and Jonathan, we will take your questions. These will be limited to one each to allow as many as possible to ask questions within the allotted time. This call, including the Q&A portion, includes forward-looking statements each forward-looking statement, including discussion of our Fiscal 22 outlook, is subject to risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in such statements. Certain material factors and assumptions were considered and applied in making these forward-looking statements. Additional information regarding these forward-looking statements, factors and assumptions is available in our earnings press release this morning as well as in the risk factors section of our most recent annual report filed with the SEC and Canadian Securities Regulators. These documents are also available on the Investor Relations section of our website. The forward-looking statements made on this call speak only as of today, and we undertake no obligation to update or revise any of these statements. Our commentary today will include certain non-IFRS financial measures, which are reconciled in the table at the end of our earnings press release issued this morning, and available on our Investor Relations website. With that, I will turn the call over to Danny.
2: Thank you, Patrick, and good morning, everyone. I'm pleased to speak with you all today about our strong start to fiscal 2022 and the continued momentum we're seeing across the entire business. The results we delivered in Q1 demonstrate the global demand for our brand and our ability to operate in an improving, yet still evolving, retail environment. Heading into this quarter, we were well positioned after finishing fiscal 2021 with record revenue in our third and fourth quarters. Our business has shifted from recovery to growth and that has continued into this quarter. Today, I'm going to cover our results and share highlights of how we are driving growth in key categories and across geographies. Looking at the quarter, our results were driven by strength across all channels and regions. Our global e-commerce revenue increased by more than 80% and low triple-digit growth in both APAC and EMEA. In North America, Canada led the way with a growth rate in the high 70s, and in the U.S., where the majority of our stores were open for the quarter, we saw strong e-commerce growth in the high 40s. This highlights not only our successful investments in our digital business, but also the strength of our global demand. Next, revenue increased significantly in all geographic regions. This is important to highlight as many of our stores across Europe and Canada were impacted by closures during the period. This performance underscores the functionality of our model and reinforces our ability to capture and serve demand in any environment. Specifically, in Canada where we faced elevated closures in the quarter, revenue still grew by 126%, excluding PPE. We consider this a very positive indication of domestic demand. As traffic continues to improve, we expect to see that drive increased productivity in our stores, which would be incremental channel growth to the performance we have shown this quarter. Turning to our retail expansion, we've spoken previously about the opportunity we continue to see in mainland China and our strategic focus on growing our business there. We saw firsthand the opportunity ahead of us with our DTC revenue in mainland China increasing by 188% this quarter. Moving beyond Q1, we continue to build our business in mainland China, and over the past month, we've celebrated three new store openings in key markets in the region, with three more expected to follow this fall. As a growing global lifestyle brand, we continue to expand across geographies, launching new categories and products designed with intention, purpose and functionality as a Canada Goose brand continues to gain momentum we are actively innovating on many fronts and investing in newness and expanding our apparel offering globally since our knitwear launch in 2017 and with the addition of our incredibly popular food category last year our apparel business is expected to exceed 45 million dollars in sales this fiscal in only four years, we have successfully developed this fast-growing category into a meaningful business, and we expect that trajectory to continue. Building on that, our non-park business has shown strength overall, and in this quarter specifically, contributed roughly half of our DTC revenue. As I've spoken about in our last call, we plan to launch Canada Use Footwear later this fall. Our intention is to define and develop this category in a way that no other brand can or has i have great confidence in our team and in our ability to succeed in this category just like we have with each of our previous category expansions including lightweight down and apparel we have a proven track record at successfully building new categories into meaningful businesses for our brand as i have said before I believe that we have an incredible opportunity in front of us in Footwear, and I cannot wait to introduce you to our offering very soon. Continue to innovate across our assortment, and we've made a commitment to embed sustainability throughout our organization. As we laid out in our inaugural Sustainable Impact Strategy Report, we are transforming the way we do business to ensure that we're doing everything we can to create the future that we want to see in the world. With that focus, this June, we announced that we would end the use of all fur in our products through a phased approach. We will end the purchase of fur this year by December 2021, and we will end manufacturing with fur no later than next year by December 2022. This decision was driven by our commitment to sustainability and our purpose-based platform, Human Nature. Our mission has always been to make products that deliver exceptional quality, protection from the elements, and perform the way our consumers need them to, and this transforms how we will continue to do just that. This path forward represents the culmination of both our long-term strategic planning and, importantly, the significant growth of our non-fur business. Currently, our non-for-business accounts for roughly half of our revenue. This has shifted significantly over the past few years. This has been intentional, planned and driven by our expanding non for offering, lightweight down and spring categories, and, as previously mentioned, our growing apparel business. This is a transformational change that has energized our business. I'm excited and I'm confident in this new direction and its ability to further accelerate our growth. In conclusion, this was another productive quarter, where we found success by investing in the opportunities with the greatest impact for our business. This quarter also marked an important evolution for our brand, strengthening our commitment to a more sustainable future. And as we continue to move through the year, I'm really excited to share updates with you all on our footwear launch later this fall. And with that, I turn it over to Jonathan to go over the details of our financial results.
3: Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Canada Goose is off to a great start to fiscal 2022. Looking at our Q1 results and outlook, there are three key themes that stand out. Firstly, alongside reopenings and improving retail trends, our digital business has continued a rapid pace of growth. Secondly, the flexibility of our supply chain and DTC distribution are incredible assets for navigating a dynamic environment. Thirdly, looking beyond the we have the building blocks for significant upside in our profitability. Starting with the top line, total Q1 revenue came in at $56 million, helped by a lower level of disruptions in both channels. At the channel level, DTC revenue was 29 million. We lapped the peak of first wave closures with a more operational but still impacted store base. Across our network, we lost approximately 20% of total trading days compared to 60% last year. This was complemented by outstanding digital growth against a meaningful comparative base. Global e commerce revenue increased by 81%, with a continuation of the broad-based growth we saw in Q4. Canada led the way in North America with a high 70s growth rate, along with a 40s level in the United States, where all stores were open throughout the quarter. EMEA and APAC both had low triple-digit growth rates. In Europe, the UK was a particularly significant contributor, as was mainland China in APAC. In wholesale, revenue was $26 million. Our growth was due to a near-total shutdown of shipments last year at the peak of the first wave. Our expectation of annual revenue, in line with fiscal 2021, has not changed. We continue to concentrate more business with our best partners and doors as a strategic complement to DTC all regions made strong contributions to our growth. The sequential improvement we're seeing in Canada is particularly encouraging. Excluding the impact of temporary PPE sales, revenue increased by 126%. This is despite losing 40% of the trading days at our nine Canadian stores. Since reopening, we are seeing some of our best store productivity levels globally in our home market. Moving on to gross margin, DTC was 73% while wholesale was 35%. Both came in slightly lower than the levels we discussed on our last call. We continue to expect each to be in line with fiscal 2021 for the full year. In wholesale, distributor mix was higher than initially expected, as was non-Parker mix in DTC. These mix impacts are not significant on an annual basis and we expect them to be transitory. We achieved record non-Parker participation in our own channel at roughly half of DTC revenue. This is a great milestone for the strategic evolution of our offering. Finishing with SGNA, the total expense line was 72 million, up 47% from last year. This reflects a much more operational business alongside growth investments. Intra-quarter, we decided to shift a portion of our planned spend to Q2. I will circle back to the impact of that at the end of my remarks. That shift complements underlying cost efficiencies from permanent savings initiatives last year. Looking ahead to full winter, We are confident in our ability to make the most of peak demand. The pandemic is not over. Disruptions and risks remain, including new variants. That said, our operational backdrop has greatly improved. All of our stores are now open, as are our eight Canadian manufacturing facilities. Our factories are running efficiently at much more normalised levels of production, relative to last year. While distancing regulations remain, we are utilising extra shifts to lessen the impact. Due to our unique model, we do not have significant exposure to the production shutdowns and shipping delays the sector is currently facing. The vast majority of our revenue base is made in Canada, with a continuative offering We confidently stage raw materials and finished goods. Our shipping routes are also different. We generally start outbound from Canada to our global network of distribution centers. We are highly confident in our ability to get product into the marketplace while retaining in-season flexibility. Our gross margin tailwinds also make this type of environment much more manageable from a profitability perspective. Our experience in fiscal 2021 is a great proof point. Despite losing three months of production to mandatory closures and retooling our infrastructure to make PPE, we were not constrained by supply and we preserved very strong gross margins. The other uncertainty our sector is grappling with, pace of retail recovery relative to last year's outsized e-commerce gains. As a brand which started in DTC online and has a selective retail footprint, we are truly agnostic. We want to drive DTC mix higher wherever the consumer wants to shop and in today's environment where the consumer is able to shop. We have the global reach and critical mass to capture demand online and drive outsized growth. We also know that our stores are productive and sought after by consumers, even in a highly disrupted environment. Retail recovery is also foundational to our long-term margin upside. This year, we've already lost a significant amount of trading to closures, and luxury retail traffic is still far from pre-pandemic levels globally. Across geographies, there is a wide spectrum of case levels, movement restrictions, and reopening trends. As we look beyond these dynamics, we have the potential for an extra gear. The normalization of retail will really accelerate the uplift from driving DTC mix higher. In an environment where all stores are continuously open with full traffic, there is no reason why our adjusted EBIT margin shouldn't start with a 2 and have an advancing multi-year trend. Lastly, I will finish with some commentary around current trends in Q2. Starting with the top line, we are assuming a low double-digit growth rate in wholesale, driven by earlier shipment timing. In DTC, we currently expect revenue at roughly one and a half times last year's level. In the other segment, which generated $30 million last year due to temporary PPE manufacturing, we do not expect any meaningful revenue. We expect DTC gross margin in the mid-70s and wholesale gross margin in the mid-40s in line with historical annual levels. On the expense line, we're currently planning for total SGNA of over $100 million and DNA a touch over $20 million. This reflects the flow-through of delayed spend I mentioned earlier. In summary, we continue to navigate through a challenging environment, but we remain confident in our resilient and growing business. We are encouraged by the improving retail trends and rapid global e-commerce growth. Pairing this with our agile supply chain and distribution puts us in a great position to navigate today's unknowns. We remain in a dynamic world, but we are very optimistic that our momentum will continue into the peak season and drive sustained long-term growth. With that, I will pass over to the operator to begin Q&A.
0: And as a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. To withdraw your question, press the pound key. And please limit your questions to 1, and you may requeue for any follow-ups. Again, that is star one to ask a question, and we'll pause for a moment to compile the Q&A roster. And your first question comes from the line of Olivia
4: Chan of Cohen Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.
5: Hi, thank you very much. Good morning, Danny and Jonathan. In light of your recent fur announcement, how will being non-fur impact your business? And what gives you confidence that you'll be able to grow at the same trajectory? Sounds like you've been really proactive about this decision and strategy. And as a follow up, um, what do you think about FOFER or FIRST substitutes as you look to innovate and investigate different opportunities? Thank you.
2: Thanks, Oliver. Thanks for the question. Good to hear from you. We are very confident that we will make this transition and that we will continue to be a high growth company at the same time this is not a sudden sudden decision for us this is something that we've been, we have been considering and planning around for years um our non-fur product offering has been growing at an outsized pace and it makes up roughly half the revenue base today and that's a trajectory that has been and will continue will be continuing uh this includes non-fur parka styles our tr- alternative hood trims new product categories fur free assortment uh that we make for our wholesale partners all of which have been extremely. And again, we expect them to continue to be a, 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 a successful. So we're at a stage now where we uh, can continue, we, can, can, we feel we can, we can continue to offer the best in protection without using fur. And this decision has truly energized the company and I, I believe offers us a, 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 a huge amount of uh, increased opportunity in the future. Uh, with regards to your question on FOFR, we absolutely will not be using FOFR. We do not believe that that is a sustainable alternative for the environment, and um, we'll be using other, other things than that. Thanks again. Okay, Danny, the
5: uh, next the question question
4: comes
5: from the, uh, next question. the consumer side. Uh, I was just curious about the consumer research and, and what customers think and how you've um, been customer-centric and thinking about this decision. Thanks a lot. Best
1: regards.
2: Yeah, we you know, we focus on innovation and um, we focus on providing uh, consumers with the right products that they need for their right environments in which they live. And uh, you know, as, as we've um, you know, as we've been intentionally developing more non fair products over time, and uh, they've been successful. We've um, we've uh, we've leaned into that uh, in a more heavy way.
5: Thanks a lot. Perfect.
2: Your next question comes
0: from the line of Jonathan Compa baird
5: Yeah. Hi. Thank you. Just a follow-up on on the first questioning, but thinking about the gross margin impact, could you maybe talk about any sort of gross margin uplift that you'd expect from uh, not using FUR going forward? And then separately for gross margin, any other puts and takes when you think about the balance of the year, pricing and cost, or for other impacts outside of the,
3: the product mix factors that you called out for uh, the first quarter. Hi. So um, I think when it comes to fur, um, we are we we continually inve- uh, we continuously investing in upgrades to the performance and the quality and the sustainability of our jackets, and it's very much more um, part, part of a broader evolution of our offering. So as a result, we're not really expecting this to change margins at a channel level. And uh, particularly given the broader suite of investments that we're making in our products. I think as a more general point on, on gross margins, our algorithm is, is very much intact. We're not expecting our gross margins fundamentally to move at a channel level um, over time. And therefore, we, we typically talk about, mid-70s for DTC, mid-to-high 40s for for wholesale on an annual basis. We don't see that changing. We don't see any other puts and takes uh, really moving that this year. Okay, thank you.
0: Your next question comes from the line of Omar Sad of Evercore ISI.
5: Good morning. Thanks for taking my question. Jonathan, wanted you to dive in a little bit deeper on the guidance, if you could. Um, it seems like it r- really implies a you know shift to the 2H uh, versus pre-COVID level. Is there specific reasons why you guys are signif- uh, signaling such a significant shift into the back half versus pre-COVID? Is, uh, is something changed with the consumer behavior or the wholesale customer behavior or the category? Uh, that would be helpful context. Thanks, guys. No, that's
3: it. I, no problem at all. Um, I think, you know, at a corporate level, um, it comes down to uh, two main changes, of course, channel mix on the one hand and buying behaviour on the other. It's clear that we are um, much more DTC centric today. Uh, We expect the channel uh, to approach 70% of our our revenues this year. Uh, And I think that naturally puts a lot more revenue into Q3 and Q4 when consumer buying is at its peak. Last year, 89% of our annual DTC revenues were in the second half of the year. Now, in parallel with that, as you know, we've also resized and refocused our wholesale business, and that's much more weighted to Q2. And your
0: next question comes from the line of Michael Bonetti of Credit Suisse.
5: Hey, I'd like to – thanks for taking our question here. I'd I'd like to – ask about that a little bit as well, but maybe, Jonathan, any any color on um, how you thought about conservatism and you baked in in 2Q on a direct-to-consumer basis um, related to the shifts you just mentioned? And then as as we look at the some of the math as you laid out, the, the second quarter looks like it assumes wholesale about 40 percent below September 19 levels and direct-to-consumer about 7 percent below 2019 levels. I, I guess the, that implies a pretty meaningful um, decline. I'm just curious, you know, considering, especially in the wholesale side, considering 40% lower in a category where you guys have pretty consistent price increases, it um, it does imply some significant unit declines in that channel. I'm, maybe you could sort out for us what you think is idiosyncratic um, in that spread um, versus, uh, you know, versus the industry or, or anything going on in the channel other than your own strategic decision. I'm just trying to understand a little bit better um, why the core would be, would be down that much given that you still see D2C um, down seven versus 2019. I'm trying to understand how you, maybe how you thought about that unit recapture in D2C given the work you've done in wholesale.
3: Yeah, I think that – so let's take wholesale first. And then we'll talk about DTC. I think wholesale, we've been very clear that we went through something of a reset last year, and we do not expect it to be materially different to last year's level this year. So that, as you compare back to uh, fiscal 20 and what happened there, you've got to think, first of all, that the shipping patterns might have been somewhat different on, on, in the one, on the one hand, and the absolute size of the wholesale business was materially higher at the same time. Secondly, as you switch out of um, wholesale into DTC, of course we, we do expect that recapture, but the, the key is you don't recapture it at the same time. Because typically with wholesale, obviously we're pipelining in, in Q2 and getting it into the stores and the stores are starting to sell it. Whereas with, with DTC primarily, we expect to recognize that revenue in Q3 and Q4. Turning to DTC, We believe that um, our our comments are appropriately measured and directional, given where we are today. Most of the quarter is ahead of us in in September, and we remain in a dynamic environment with new variants. As we sit here today, we are really pleased with the performance. We're looking forward to a great full winter, and if you look at the full year and what's implied for the size of the DTC business, you'll see it's well ahead of both Last year and the
2: year before. Yeah, I, I agree with that, Jonathan. It was well said, and just to re-emphasize: this is a, you know the, the dynamics and the and the mix and, and shifts and all sorts of things are changing within an annual period, uh, year over year. Our business is on a on, on a on a strong growth trajectory, and uh, we feel very confident about that in the future for a whole variety of reasons.
0: And your next question comes from the line of Ike Barachow of Wells Fargo.
5: Hey, uh, good morning, everyone. I guess two two quick ones. Um, Jonathan, I think in the last call you had mentioned wholesale uh, potentially being flat year over year uh, for the year, but you had some nice performance in Q1. Just kind of curious if there's a little bit of an update there. Um, And then I guess just bigger picture, Danny or Jonathan, Um, Since COVID hit, your your e-commerce revenue has has been fantastic and and robust. Can you talk about an expectation of, um, you know, once we normalize, uh, where you see your store productivity kind of landing? I assume you don't believe that you're going to have similar productivity in your retail stores on the other side of this, just because of how much digital revenue you're now doing. But but is there there a way to think about that
3: or a way you guys are thinking about that internally? Um, Thanks. So let's take the wholesale question first. Um, as, as I think we've, we've uh, mentioned in the um, in these documents, we very you know wholesale is about when when our wholesale customers want to take the inventory. So the, the performance in the first quarter is neutral to our expectations for the year. In other words, we are simply shipping it when the when the wholesale clients want it, which is a bit sooner than we thought.
2: Yeah, I think, I think to add to that, I think that, you know, I mean, the term that you use once we normalize, I mean, that's obviously the, uh, <clears throat> that's, that's the punchline. And, you know, once once we normalize and e-commerce is, is, is fully operational as it is today and our stores are also fully operational with normalized traffic, I think that that's, a, that's, that's an environment that's accretive to where we are right now um, without any question. But, uh, it's, it's impossible for anyone to speculate when that will be.
0: And your next question comes from the line of Megan, and it of TV Security. Thank you. Good morning, Jonathan. Just wanted to clarify your comments around the adjusted EBIT margin, starting with a two. Um, so, what's the time frame you're referencing there? And you know, how dependent is that on the retail environment improving? If you could just give
6: a little bit more detail, please.
3: Yeah, I think... Th- thanks, and I, I do think that, um, you know, it's, it's hard to be at a point where you can call it with um, the timing of it with any integrity just because it's, it's obviously... There's a, 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 an important dependency in there on how re- retail traffic resumes and how retail productivity grows. Um, we're clearly very much in, um, in a dynamic and disrupted environment. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we are confident that the world's going to get past this to a point where retail is fully operational with normal traffic. The timing of it is just hard. Um, you know, we, as I look, look today at what, what we're achieving and delivering, we're, we're really pleased with the progress we're making and we're really excited about the additional upside that the full, full recovery off- offers. And I think when, the, you know, when we get back to that full traffic, and the stores being open all of the time, there's no doubt in my mind that that, that, that starts with the two and with a, a strong growth path behind it. It's just a question of, of the timing as to when that resumes.
0: And your next question comes from the line of Sam Poser or trading.
2: Uh Thank you for taking my questions. Um, I just was wondering, can you, when we look at, Fiscal nineteen, is this all a timing issue? Or cap? Sorry, fiscal twenty, is this all a, a timing issue of sell-in versus sell-through that that makes it back end more
5: more back end loaded than in the past? I'm just just trying to get a complete handle on this. And and if you could give us some you know more color on exactly, I mean, I'm coming up around 66% gross margin for the year. Is that more or less what you're thinking about?
3: So I, I think that, um, you know, it, as, you, as we back to fiscal 20, we had a way, way lower DTC um, participation in this business. Now, uh, if, you, if you look at what we've said, we're close on 70% for the year in, in our expectations for DTC participation uh, this year. That fundamentally changes the revenue pattern of the business because it makes, first of all, wholesale is is not the same size that it was and secondly, the DTC business are a lot bigger, but as I said earlier, with a huge skew to the second half of the year. So that's really what's going on there. I think if you take those proportions and you take what I said about um, gross margin at a channel level, I think you do wash up to something in the zip code that you're talking about.
0: And your next question comes from the line of Jay Soul of UBS.
5: Great. Thank you so much. So, I have a three-part question. Um, first, Danny, can you talk a little bit about the launch strategy for footwear um, that you have coming up here in the next few months, uh, maybe around when we'll see that? And also, can you give us a little bit more detail around the timing of when some of the stores in China will open? Um, And then lastly, um, is there a plan to um, leverage the Winter Olympic Games that are coming up in February um, for the brand in a way that uh, will, you know, increase visibility? Thank you.
2: Uh, Yeah, thanks for your question. For launch strategy, footwear is one of the most exciting things happening uh, this year. We I'm. I'm very excited about it. Uh, I'm very, you know, I know that one of our core competencies now is developing new categories, and we've put a lot of time and energy into this forward strategy. Uh, we're taking it very seriously, and very excited about launching it. It's going to launch in the fall, and um, you know, I do look forward to sharing more info- information about that with you when uh, we get closer to that time, um, <clears throat> perhaps uh, this time next quarter. Um, with regard to, to China store openings, we've opened three so far, and uh, we plan to open an additional three stores um, before fall. And as far as the Olympic Games and uh, the question around that, you know, we we um, uh, we do not we are not an official participant in the in the Olympic Games. Uh, we certainly um, uh, we certainly uh, work with um, you know various influencers uh, as we do as part of our global marketing strategy. Head. Which has worked for us for the last 20 years.
0: And your next question comes from the line of Adrian Markley.
6: Good morning. Thank you for taking my question, um, Jenny, I was wondering if you can talk about um, so your normalized annual price increases in a world that it sounds like in 2022 others, uh, perhaps both, you know, more normal pricing, non-luxury, also taking prices up. Um, what we have seen in the past two years is at luxury, uh, they've they continued to take those prices up. So just wondering if there's maybe more um, relative to kind of you know mainline pricing. So that's number one. And then Jonathan, just if, if the a housekeeping if you can quantify the SGNA shift, um, and then more um, on the product efficiency coming from the eight manufacturing facilities. What exactly are you seeing? Is it capacity utilization, labor efficiencies? Um, and what does AUC like for life look like? Thank you very much.
3: Okay, so taking pricing first. Um, uh, you know, we, we've always said we take price in the mid-single digits. Um, that's something that we've done throughout the pandemic, meaning both fiscal 21 and fiscal 22. It's an embedded part of what we do and how we do it um, in the way that we manage our, our gross margin. And this year has been no different than that. Um, I think when it comes to SGNA, I think the, you know, if, if you take what we've spent in, in um, the first quarter and what we're talking about for the second quarter, you'll, you'll have a pretty good feel for the, the rate of growth, and that's very much aligned with what we uh, gave as assumptions so against the full um, when I spoke last time. In terms of um, product we're we're, you know we're seeing um, the right sort of evolution of AUC Um, in other words that we're expecting our margin algorithm to stay very much in track um, and therefore that we are not seeing that AUCs are rising either faster or slower um, than than AURs you know we're, we're seeing a very consistent pattern and that is a reflection of efficiencies in some product categories and reinvestment in others in the way that we manage gross margin. And your next
0: question comes from the line of Lion of BTIG.
5: Thanks. Good morning. Um, Jonathan, I was hoping you could give us some colour on the different levels of store productivity that's embedded in your guidance um, as it pertains to um, China and maybe some other markets that are starting to open up a little bit better, what you're seeing uh, from that traffic and productivity perspective, uh, and how that differs uh, from what is embedded in the guidance.
3: Yeah, we're, we're seeing um, good levels of productivity, um, I would say particularly, um, you know, we, we've been very pleased with what we've seen happening in, um, in Canada since since reopening. Um, America has been um, quite solid throughout. Uh, we've been very pleased with what we've been seeing in China as well. I think Hong Kong is its own animal still, um, and uh, and Europe is gradually reopening. It was it you know it came from a very different place, and frankly, we only saw the UK reopen in in, um, in mid-April, and then uh, the rest of Europe in fits and starts thereafter. What we're looking for is, going forward is a gradual and progressive improvement in those, um, in those levels of productivity, and that's what we're seeing.
0: And your next question comes from the line of Brooke Roach of Goldman Sachs. Hi, thank you,
6: and good morning, and thanks for taking the question. I was wondering if you could provide an update on some of the investments that you're making this year into both the brand and the digital consumer experience, and perhaps, What about those investments are fueling some of your optimism and confidence on continuing the e-commerce momentum and penetration among um, among both new and existing customers? Thank you. Uh,
2: Yes, thank you for your question. We we are continuing to, and we prioritize, in fact, um, our investments in our uh, in our omni-channel and our digital uh, consumer experience. Uh, These are areas which are very important to us. It's also also clear that this world is one which is approaching a state where there's really very little differentiation between physical retail and um, e-commerce retail. It's just a matter of where the consumer wants to shop and when they want to shop and how they want to shop and we want to be able to provide them with an experience that allows them to do that um on on their own schedule and uh, and give them the experience that they want to have uh tailored specifically to them and, and it is with that in mind that we have um, a short-term and longer term roadmap to continue to invest a significant amount in uh, being best in class at being an omni-channel um, at provide an omni-channel uh, uh experience for our consumers and Your final
0: question Robbie owns of A Security.
5: Oh, hey, guys. Thanks for uh, taking my question. My question's on um, APAC, which uh, you know was actually up versus 2019 in the first quarter. Uh, you guys mentioned that China was a significant contributor. Does that uh, imply that rest of APAC is still down versus 2019? And could you also tell us how to talk about you know, the, the Asia revenue pattern for 2Q versus the back half of this year? Is it similar to how you're kind of
2: talking about overall B to C, uh, any color on that would be great. Thanks.
3: We're right at the beginning of our, our um, APAC journey. You know, we, um, we, we're only two years, uh, three, three by Christmas, into um, our China experience. Um, and uh, we, we've seen great performances from our stores in mainland China, and we're continuing to see that growth, both organically and through new stores. And We're, we're very pleased with how that's going. Um, and you rightly observed that, that that's doing well. The, um, of course, Hong Kong is, um, it, as I said just now, it's its own animal. It's, um, it's dependent on borders and, and a bunch of other factors. I think when it comes to the rest of Asia, you've got to remember that that's essentially a wholesale business. And so that, that has very different dynamics um, as, as both Japan and, and um, Korea, South Korea, are managed as distribution markets.
2: Yeah, all, all the points, and I agree. agree. I'll add to that that um, you know I think first and foremost um, we view APAC as uh, an ex- extraordinary growth opportunity for this brand in a number of ways, and, and a, you know and and, and, there's a, and there's a there's a lot of runway for us there. Uh, the pandemic has affected every market in different ways, and you know for example Japan, which is an established market, it, it, it was affected last year. We expect it to. Um, uh, to, uh, to rebound this year in a, in a better way. Um, but overall, APAC is strong and healthy and, um, and growing uh, at a very healthy rate. And um, you know, we are, we are prepared, uh, regardless of what's ahead, we're set up to capture and serve demand in any environment that may exist uh, in any part of the world.
0: And then I'll back over to management for closing remarks
2: thank you all for joining us today I have never been as excited as as I am today about our business our ability to strategically expand across categories has been proven and has been met with excitement and strong demand across all markets as much as COVID-19 has transformed the world this has been a transformational year for our business as well and we look forward tremendously to what's to come thank you very much and have a great day
0: this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating.
4: You may now disconnect. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off. My Rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.
0: Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.